Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone. It is 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and it's Carricker and Smallman, as you might surmise, here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Good morning. Yeah, if they can't deduce that it's Carricker and Smallman after you intro us, I don't know. We've reached a point in the year where the sun is coming up as we are on the air. And at about 7.15 or so, we'd get a third degree right into Scott Manziara's eyes. It's just the, the sun shining in his eyes. It's like we're punishing him for some reason. I can see it right now. We have flat screen TVs that yeah. line the wall, and you can see it glaring off the TV. That's when you know it's going to slowly descend down from the TV above Scott's head right into his eyes. Yeah, it's, it's so bad because you just know how the day is going. Yeah. And if it's going to be a nice day, you're so happy till about 15 minutes from yep. now. And then yep. you're like, eh, I wish it was cloudy. We're going to talk to Kurt Warner later on this morning. We're going to talk to Steve Chapman, Blues executive. We're going to talk about how the Blues came about deciding upon the red alternate jerseys, which is cool. Mike Claiborne, our buddy, is going to join us as well later today. But, Michelle, today we start with the Cardinals. And pretty much every year, the Cardinals have a guy that they – determine is worthy of an extension, a young player. Over the years, Colton Wong has gotten the extension. Alan Craig, Matt Carpenter has gotten the extension in the past. Carlos Martinez got one one offseason. So did Steven Piscotti. And when you look at this year's team, you have guys that either haven't done enough, i.e. Harrison Bader, don't have enough experience, i.e. Uh, Dylan Carlson, or you just don't think enough of at the moment to give a big extension to, i.e. Tommy Edmond. So the one guy that sticks out like a sore thumb, a guy who has been a good performer for you, who has star potential and has enough time under his belt, is Jack Flaherty. And I'm sure the Cardinals will, at some point, when they determine what their budget is going to be, come to Jack Flaherty and say, hey, we would like to give you more than the $604,500 you made last year. But I'd also be surprised, Michelle, if unless it is an enormous offer that Flaherty would take it. I, I think he's going to bet on himself until he gets to free agency. Yeah, he's very vocal about his confidence in himself and very vocal about the process, the business side or the business, as you like to say, Randy, <laughs> of baseball. And I very much agree with you that he is probably going to gamble on himself. Jim Bowden actually wrote about this at The Athletic yesterday, and he says that Flaherty is a must extend for the Cardinals, and I agree with him. If you're looking at this roster and you look at Jack Flaherty, he is 
such an important piece of what you need to have moving forward. If this is truly going to be a youth movement, look at what Jack Flaherty provides for you. He is someone who you know can anchor this rotation. He is somebody who's been with this organization for long enough now that he's established. And he's got that intensity and that leadership quality that is going to be missing when Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina aren't here. He's a guy that connects the past with Bob Gibson and Chris Carpenter and their mentality and that style of Cardinal baseball to the present. And while I think the Cardinals will most likely approach him and his team and say, we would love to work something out with you in advance. We would love to keep you around. I do not see Jack Flaherty conceding early. And maybe, Randy, maybe the Cardinals will get lucky because it's a pandemic and because who knows what these contracts are going to look like moving forward. Maybe they will get Jack Flaherty in a moment where he would want the stability and want the guaranteed money. But Based on everything we've seen from him publicly, I don't think that he would be willing to concede early. Now, I want to get to that because he does need to read the room. But let me start with this. Before last season, Flaherty turned on the Cardinals' offer because, as Derek Gould described at stltoday.com, he wanted to have it on the record that he did not agree the value the Cardinals had set for him in the coming year. That set him up to make the argument during arbitration, which he will be eligible for at the end of this season. This is the last season where the Cardinals could impose a salary on Flaherty. So they made him an offer. He turned it down. He had to be renewed at $604,500. That's the number that the Cardinals gave him. But the key is he didn't want to agree with the Cardinals value that they had placed on him because he was intent upon going to arbitration and the Cardinals very rarely have arbitration cases. Now to your point, if he does go to arbitration, he's going to present comparables and say, okay, this player is making X amount of dollars. My performance is comparable to his. So I should make X amount of dollars. The two comps, are for him the closest in terms of performance are Blake Snell who after his third year signed a five-year 50 million dollar deal with Tampa Bay to take two years of his free agency off the table the other company you talk about betting on himself is Mike Clevenger who mm. it was announced last night is going to have Tommy John surgery and signed a two-year extension with one of those years being his year out for Tommy John with the Padres so If Jack is going to bet on himself and try to get to free agency, he's also betting that he won't get hurt. That's true. But if you're the player, even though injuries are inevitable in this game, especially for a pitcher, you know that it's probably coming down the pipeline at some point. You're not willing to admit that or you think that you might be the anomaly. You're going to look at strictly your performance and your bank account and say, this is what I am worth. This is the number that I have earned. And if you don't want to give me this money, I'm sure someone else will. The other thing that he'll look at in terms of betting on himself is that he will reach free agency a year younger than Garrett Cole did. His first three years have been better than Garrett Cole's were. So Jack Flaherty isn't really as concerned about arbitration or buying out, selling off two years of his free agency as he is about reaching the end of his sixth year. Because what he's looking at is that $324 million that Cole got. He's not looking at what Blake Snell got, $50 million, or Carlos got $51 million, or what 
Mark, Mike Clevenger is dealing with right now. Flaherty is absolutely convinced that he's going to be great and he's going to be healthy for the next three seasons, and he's going to be able to do what D- Garrett Cole did in signing a, a six-year deal for $324 million. Yeah, we're talking hundreds of millions. Nine years for nine years for Cole and $324 million. But it seems like if you're the Cardinals, wouldn't you believe all those things about him too, that he's going to be the guy and that hopefully he'll be healthy? No. You no. think that he will not be healthy and not be the guy? What Cardinal pitcher... Great or bad, have they had that stayed healthy? I mean, Adam Wainwright has missed two full seasons. Chris Carpenter missed three full seasons. Two uh, before he even got four full seasons. Two before he ever got to St. Louis. The modern pitcher, period. Yeah, the modern pitcher gets hurt. That's just the way it is. And no, if the Cardinals believe that, then that's a foolish belief. I'm sure that they thought that Carlos Martinez was going to stay reasonably healthy when they signed him to the five-year extension. And he's started, what, four games since the middle of the 2018 season? So, no, you can't ever count on somebody being healthy. You can plan on them being good, but you can't plan on them, if you're responsible, being healthy. I wouldn't use Carlos Martinez as my comp there. Not not to you, but if I'm the Cardinals, just because I think that the way Carlos approached that is hopefully different than the way that Jack would approach oh, yeah, that yeah. if he got injured. So hopefully it wouldn't be this never-ending saga of injury after injury. Hopefully he would just follow the protocol and do whatever was needed of him and it would be a one-time thing. But yes, to your point, I think the modern pitcher, you can pretty much assume that at some point they're going to deal with an injury. And for Jack, though, he's in a position of power because that hasn't happened yet. And he's he is gambling. That's like a couple of years ago, the Cubs offered Chris Bryant $200 million over 10 years. He turned it down. He said, no, I'm going to go into free agency. You think Chris Bryant now wishes, as terrible as he's been, that he had taken that $200 million? Oh, Sometimes yeah. it's better to have that bird in the hand. And if the Cardinals do come in with an offer of $50 million, that's life-changing money for anybody. Well, almost anybody. It's not life-changing money for... Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, yeah. <laughs> then that's no biggie for him. But for a baseball player, generally, that is. And especially for a young baseball player, that is. And I would hope that the Cardinals would come in with a, an offer better than what Tampa gave to Blake Snell. It's got to be better than what they gave to Carlos Martinez because Flaherty has been better than Carlos Martinez. So if I'm the Cardinals, I'm going to come in and I really want to get six years because I want to get three years of his free agency, which is unlikely. But I, I would go with... Let's see. I, I could go 75 on the back end, 25 million a year for the three years of free agency. And on the front end, I could go 30. So I could go six years and 105 million with Flaherty. And I, I would feel reasonably good about that. I think there's a factor in this conversation that we haven't brought up yet. If he wants to remain in St. Louis. That's a huge one because he's a SoCal guy and he's he's got all of his friends there although Tyler Heineman as we heard yesterday on Ribs and BK he, he's caught his bullpen since Flaherty was a little kid and he does seem to have some appreciation for the Cardinals history but he grew up a Dodger fan mm-hmm. and if the Dodgers are going to start signing free agents then he would be a great fit there but that doesn't seem to be the MO of their general manager Pobo Andrew Friedman. He's never signed a big money free agent. He did trade for Betts and signed Mookie Betts. He's re-signed people like Kenley Jansen and Clayton Kershaw to big contracts. But it would shock me if the Dodgers would give $100 million to a free agent pitcher. I, I would be stunned. But even if it's not the Dodgers, because yes, there's the hometown connection there, and we know maybe in his, his heart that's where he would like to end up. However, 
if he feels a certain type of way. We we saw the way he reacted on social media during the MLB PA and the owners' disagreements this offseason. He's very vocal about yep. his feelings, and he is very vocal about feeling slighted or feeling at, uh, a certain type of way about the business side of all of this. And so maybe he already feels that way. I'm, I'm just... We're, bringing this up in a conversation. I don't know this to be fact, but if he feels a certain type of way about the business side of this, about the arbitration and thinks, hey, I, I, they didn't want to give me the money that I've earned. I'm going to go somewhere else and prove them wrong. Maybe he has a chip on his shoulder about it already and he's he doesn't want to stay here. Agents should always tell their players there's a business side to this and there's a playing side to this. I'll worry about the business side of this you worry about the playing side of this. You just go out and perform, and eventually the money is going to be there. I mean, honestly, uh, unless it is the Yankees, where is it going to be better for him if the Cardinals are true to their history than St. Louis? Probably nowhere. No, I, I, I wouldn't think so. And the Cardinals are, when they have a player, they're pretty good about market value. Although... Goldschmidt did sign here for less than market value, but they've given young players like Albert market value or more than market value in the past. It depends on where we are in the pandemic and at that point in time, what his market value is and most importantly, what he thinks his market value is. If the Cardinals come to him after 2021 and say, look, we want to sign you. And he says, well, I'm not signing for anything less than what Garrett Cole got. Then the Cardinals know that they won't be able to sign him. Right. So the the move for the Cardinals then with two years of control left would probably be to move him for a bevy of prospects. And that might be hard to do when you look at what teams have traded pitchers like Clevenger and I, I guess Bauer they were able to get Puig for, Cleveland was. It's a rare commodity when you can get a good young starting pitcher in a trade with a couple of years of control left. I'll be interested to see how this all works out. And I also don't believe right now with where the Cardinals are economically, they don't know how much money they're going to make. So I don't think that they're going to come in with a, an offer, unless it's a low ball offer, which would be a mistake with Flaherty yeah. during spring training. I don't think that that makes sense unless they know that they're going to be able to get fans in the stands this year and they they have an idea of how much money they're going to make. Could they do something creative with the deal, backload it and say, hey, you know, this is not necessarily what you were thinking, but we can work in some other stuff. We're, we're in a pandemic after all. And I think that he would understand that too. Not that he wouldn't be insulted, but I think that, as you said, he can read the room and understand that the landscape financially in Major League Baseball is different than he thought it would be at this stage of his career and at this stage of these the the process of the contract and because you'd be buying out the first three years of arbitration and then the last two or three of free agency naturally the last two years should be more backloaded than the first three years anyway yeah that makes all the sense in the world that's michelle i'm randy it is Carriker and smallman coming up get your text into the air comfort service text line 65780 and ask us what's better on 101 espn we're right back to the Carriker and smallman podcast on 101 espn Welcome to your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, character and small. And it's time for What's Better? And Scott Manziara is going to use your texts to ask us a question. All you have to do is ask what's better. Scotty, what do you got? All right, so we were talking about the weather to open up the show earlier today with the sun in my eyes. This one from the 314. What's better, sunny and cold or cloudy and warm? Cloudy and warm. Cloudy and warm. No doubt about it. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Sunny and cold, you can't even see your golf ball. And it's cold. And it's cold. Cold is bad. As uh, Michelle would say, one of the most famous hashtags, one of the greatest trending things that she's ever turned out is... Winter is stupid. Hashtag winter is stupid. Yeah. That'll come your way on uh, Carriker and Smallman here before you know it. I thought it this morning. I walked out to my car. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's coming. We've been crazy lucky. We have. With this weather through, through November 17th. But you know, as soon as it turns, it is done. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And it's just going to hit you one day. That cold, icy wind in your face. And you're like, oh, St. Louis winter. It is here. Yeah, welcome back. No, not. Not. 6570 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you want to text in two things, Michelle and Randy will tell you what's better. From the 636, what's better? Making the playoffs five years in a row, but never winning the pennant, or only making the playoffs once in 10 years, but winning the World Series that one time? Randy, you play to win the game. I would rather win the World Series once and have a playoff drought in that span than make the playoffs and have that postseason excitement five years in a row, but never win. As one who said, just give me one Super Bowl championship and I don't care what happens after that. (laughs) And then had to deal with 15 and 65. I'm going to go with the journeys. I'm going to go with uh, having the chance because you don't know beforehand, right? That's my guess is that you don't know beforehand that you're not going to win a championship or you are. I would rather have the playoff years than the 15 and 65. But I look back at the Blues and what we got when they won the Stanley Cup championship. And I would take a decade of misery for that ride. Yeah, you say that now, but then you go through 15 and 65, the the hockey equivalent of you like you think Red Wing fans are really happy right now that they look back. 10 years and they won a Stanley Cup. But you, okay, but think about it this way. You're, if you never win in the five years that you're in the the playoffs, you're in the hunt, that's five years of pain. You get the excitement of making it, but then it's five seasons where you have to turn off SportsCenter immediately because you can't see the highlights. And five years of, of agony saying we were so close, we were so close. I would rather be terrible and then have won one. Michelle, that's what sports is all about. You go from 11, 12, 12, 13, 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, 16. Blues won more games than any other, other team in the NHL over those five years. They were awesome. They were great. Now, the misery is great, too. The, when you can have your heart broken, that's what sports is all about. Right. So I would take the misery of not making it and then winning the championship rather than the misery of losing in the playoffs with nothing to See, show for it. I would just rather have... Over the course of six-month seasons, I, I would rather have that be great and then have only a month of playoff rather than have just dismal six-month seasons for five years in a row just so that I could have a happy two months. Okay, so the Cardinals have made the playoffs the past few years, haven't gotten it done. Would you rather take that journey than have them just be bad for a few years and then win? Yeah. Okay. 636 Texan, what's better, a top 10 ranked Mizzou football team or a top 10 Mizzou basketball team? Football. Football, always. It's always football, especially well, in Miz- the SEC. For Mizzou, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say for Mizzou. Now for Illinois, different story. KU, different story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 6578 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you want to contribute to what's better from the 314, what's, um, what's better, the atmosphere in the first game of a World Series or a Stanley Cup? Stanley Cup. Especially that first game. Yeah, all due respect. Yeah, to the World Series. And the World Series is great, taking nothing away. But 
there is nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs, and there's certainly, as we know, nothing like the Stanley Cup final. It will be interesting to see if the energy is even comparable when the Blues get to a Stanley Cup final after they've won. Because I think part of, yes, the Stanley Cup playoffs are so intense. It's unlike anything in sports. But I think it was so heightened for us because this was a magical team and this was a team that we felt could finally get it done. And I wonder if the feeling will be on the same plane if we know that they've already won, we'll still be excited. We, we will still have that intensity of the Stanley Cup playoffs, mm-hmm. but nothing will be be as intense no. as it was that year. So I wonder, the longer the Cardinals go without winning, if the intensity will feel when they get back to the World Series game one will be different. Here's what I'm talking about. Okay, it's game one of the World Series, and you're in the seventh inning of a 1-1 game. You're intense. You're biting your nails. It is game one of the Stanley Cup finals, and you are you, you have eight minutes left in the third period of a 1-1 game. What's more intense? Okay, Stanley Cup all the way, <laughs> for sure. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. It seems every time we do what's better, we always get some food options. So let's let's go a little rapid fire here. From the okay. 636, what's better with breakfast, an apple or banana? Banana, totally. Do people eat apples for breakfast? It doesn't seem like a uh, breakfast choice. Slice them up, cinnamon and apples. Sit like mm. you can do that, but seems banana, like an afternoon snack type deal for me. Thing is, banana you can put them on cereal. You can make a smoothie with a banana. I guess you can make a smoothie with an apple too. You can make a peanut butter and banana sandwich on you toast. Just eat it plain. Yep. There's there's so many things that, that make a banana better for breakfast. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, the banana is the true MVP of breakfast. Banana on pancakes. Why not? 618 said, what's better, PBJ or grilled cheese? Oh, there's few things better than a nice grilled cheese. I'm going to go, okay, what what meal are we talking here? Lunch. Grilled cheese. Because you can have a PBJ for breakfast and it's really great. On toast. Listen, on its best, on its very best day, a, a the very best PBJ is comparable to an average grilled cheese. On its very best day. Yeah. At lunchtime, you take the grilled cheese 99 times out of 100, maybe 100 out of 100. But you'd never want a grilled cheese for breakfast. Although people do do the, uh, I guess, cheese is melted like on a breakfast sandwich and stuff. Yeah, but think, think about when you eat a PBJ. It's because you're trying to save time. It's something that you throw together, you put it in the bag, you take it off to lunch, you give it to your kid. Hey, take this PBJ on the field mm-hmm. trip. It's because a grilled cheese is more intentional. You have to get the right cheese. You have to do the toast correctly. You have to make sure you're flipping it right. It takes more time to create it because it's better. Do you dip grilled cheese into tomato soup? You betcha I do. I do too. (laughs) 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for what's better. From the 314, what's better? Pujols retiring as a Cardinal or both Yachty and Wayne are retiring as Cardinals? It would have been better to have Pujols retire as a Cardinal because he's clear, easy, no question Hall of Famer. Um, I'm going to disagree and say Wayno and Yachty because of the way that we've seen it unfold. If Wayno and Yachty stay with the team, it's not as if their production or lack of production towards the end is going to be detrimental to the team. I wonder what it would have been like had Albert stayed and what the construction of the team would have looked like with that contract, and if he would have been as beloved here if they didn't win because of that deal. 
He would have always been Albert Pujols. He will always be a Cardinal legend. He will always be a Hall of Famer. But we get to look at him now through rose-colored glasses because the last time he wore that uniform, they were winning the World Series. And we didn't have to complain about the monster deal. We didn't have to complain about that them not winning because of him. So it's in a nice little package for us to consume. Whereas look at Bueno and Yadi at this stage of their careers. If they were to both hang it up right now, even at this stage, this past season, they contributed for the team. They were not a hindrance to them winning. I'm just looking at the, the bigger picture here. I'm looking at one of the 20 best players of all time. Yadi and Bueno, all due respect, they aren't in the 100 best players of all time. Albert Pujols is ranked right now number 20 in war in the history of the game. Wow, right that's behind, amazing. Right behind Mike Schmidt, right ahead of Joe Morgan, two Hall of Famers. If you have that guy for his entire career, well, let's look at it this way. Stan is number eight. So you're, you're pretty close to having Stan for his entire career in one uniform again. So that's the way I would look at it. But I wonder if the Cardinals... In Albert's absence, they, they went to the postseason, they went to the World Series. I wonder what the team would have looked like and what those numbers would be for him had he been here. Yeah, it, we, we'll never know, but they did miss the playoffs three years in a row. That's true. Thank you, Scotty. You got it. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, we want your texts again for Take It or Leave It. Tioli coming. Or no, you know what we're going to do? <laughs> we're going to remove Goldie and Wayno and Yachty. Okay, so you don't get to pick from among those three. Are there three Cardinals that you're confident in? And if so, who are they? You can use the mic drop feature on our Rhino Shield mic drop with the 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text, the Air Comfort Service text line. What three Cardinals are you most confident in for 2021? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Already a lot of text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And the question is, removing Goldschmidt, who you have ex- expectations for, Yadi and Wayno from the conversation, which three Cardinals are you most confident in for 2021? And we already have uh, one text from the 618, Michelle, that says, the only Cardinal I have confidence in in 2021, not named Molina, Wainwright, or Goldschmidt, is the bad boy. Oh, that's brutal. But he's a Cardinal. But that's why this is such an interesting question. Because if you had to write in Sharpie three players that you were going to be confident in, attach some money to it maybe, and say, I'm going to open this at the end of 2021 and feel good about my picks, it's hard to come up with three. And that, I think, speaks to the state of the team right now. Michelle, because he was durable before he got to St. Louis and because he has been so good as a member of the Cardinals, in his one year, I'm going to go with KK as my number one guy. I uh, I have complete confidence that KK is going to be fine, and I, I really like him. I, I think that he's going to be good. Okay, I'm going to stick in the rotation, Randy, and the first person that I'm going to say I'm confident in, confident in is a guy that we just talked about, and that's Jack Flaherty. I know that he hasn't put it together for a full season the way that Cardinals fans would have liked, but I know that it's there with him. I know that the potential is there. And so if I'm going to write down anybody on Sharpie, in Sharpie that's not named Goldschmidt, Wainwright, or Molina heading into 2021 that I'm confident in and that I think is going to lead this team, it's Jack Flaherty. My other two are going to freak you out. Same. All right. My first and... So my thought process here, I'm confident in what this guy can do with the rest of the team built around him. It's Dexter Fowler. 
Wow. Dexter Fowler has a 98 OPS plus as a member of the Cardinals in his four years, uh, 17, 18, 19, 20. Uh, his career OPS or plus with the Cardinals is 98. In 19, it was 100. Last year was 92. I have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to get from Dexter Fowler. I know that if I can have him hitting seventh or eighth, I'm going to have a, a representative performance from him that I can count on. We had the depression year, and that was not good. But at least I know what I'm going to get from him, and that's what I'm looking here. Am I comp- looking at? Am I confident in what I'm going to get out of the guy? And for that reason, my other guy, who has also been mostly consistent as a member of the Cardinals, and it hasn't always been great consistent, but it's Harrison Bader with a 7.79 OPS last year, 3.36 slug, 4.4 or 3.36 on base, 4.43 slug. He plays elite defense. He's consistent there. And his numbers last year were reasonably commensurate with his career numbers. And actually, his peripheral numbers were very good. So I'm going to actually go with my center fielder and my right fielder that I'm confident can give me what they've given me in the past and be consistent in doing so. Okay. Uh, The Fowler one surprised me, but I understand where you're coming from. And I agree with you. Um, I actually went with another member of the outfielder, uh, the outfield, Randy, and that's Dylan Carlson. So my first pick was Flaherty. I think that I can be confident in him to lead this rotation. I think I can be confident in Dylan Carlson to do exactly what we expect of him, and that's to grow as a player. We saw when he got sent down and he came back up that he certainly took some strides. And I'm not saying it's going to be a lights-out season from Dylan Carlson. I'm not going to say that it's perfect all the time. But I think what I expect of him is that from the first pitch he takes in 2021 until the final pitch, that he's going to grow as a player. So I'm confident in that. Yeah, that's very fair. And I think in a normal season, because he was totally babied last year, I think in a normal season where they treat him like a veteran now, he'll be fine. Give him some time to grow, right? Yep. Um, And then you're going to be shocked by this. But the last person on my list was also Harrison Bader. Oh. Because I was looking around at the team last night. I was going through the roster. I'm like, not confident in him. Not so much in him. Not so much in him. And when I got to Harrison Bader, I thought, I know exactly what he's going to give you. And the one thing I'm really confident in is his defense. I'm confident enough in his elite defense that I can put him on this list. You know what he might, what he's been giving you offensively. It's pretty much there, and if he if it ticks up a little, great. Mm-hmm. But I think we can reasonably say at this point that we're confident that we know what he's going to give the Cardinals. I'm with you, and it, <laughs> it might not be great, but we're reasonably confident that it's going to be what it is. It is what it is, right? And we did not consult with one another no. as we constructed these lists, no. so I'm shocked that we yeah. both picked Harrison Bader from three one four. Fred Bird, Danny Mac, and BT. Definitely confident in those three performances. Me too. I mean, you know what BT is going to give you. You know what Dan has given you year in and year out. And how about Fred Bird? This past season, he really took it up a notch in the yeah. entertainment space yeah. when he was uh, Fred Ross, <laughs> when he was Tiger King, Fred King, whatever they called him. He, I know Fred Bird. Doing Bird's, the ironing. Yeah, doing the ironing. I know that Fred Bird is going to bring it. Actually, might have been the MVP. That's true. That's true. You mentioned how difficult this can be, Michelle. Yeah. This one from the 314. The three Cardinals I'm most confident in are Jack Flaherty, Nolan Arenado, and Francisco Lindor. Okay, there you go. (laughs) From the 314. And neither of us 
and I'm kind of surprised, used Paul DeYoung. But DeYoung, Flaherty, and Carlson from the 314. DeYoung was on my list, and I actually subbed him out for Harrison Bader because of the fatigue factor. And I know that he dealt with COVID this past year, and so uh, who knows what his season would have looked like had he not dealt with the virus and had he not felt the we, we don't know how that impacted his body is what I'm right. trying to say and impacted his conditioning but until I see him put it together for a, a full season I can't put him on this list Mike drops here is Josh on 101 ESPN three Cardinals I have most confidence in one Fred Bird that dude's gonna bring it every night fans or no fans he's got it two the bat boy the bat boy's gonna grab all those bats he's gonna grab all those balls he's got this down bat boy hands down he will get the job done and three a little stretch mclaughlin dan mclaughlin's gonna bring it every day in the fox booth why those three because i have no confidence in anyone on this team with all due respect to the bad boys who do a great job for the cardinals how about a bad dog for the cardinals innovative yeah there are several bad dogs in the minors and they do great work but can i can i float this to you mm-hmm. i think it might be distracting because if the dog was there, I would want to be playing with the dog. I'd want to be True. petting the dog. I might not be as locked in to the game. What if someone's allergic to the dog hair? You know, it's a risk you Michelle, take. you can check this out on the San Francisco 49ers website. A member of their coaching staff is their emotional support dog. That's amazing. It's on their coaching staff. Do we know that member of the staff's name? I don't recall. We need to find out. Yeah, we'll find out by the end of the show. Uh, Another text from the 314, Carlson Flaherty Reyes. Pretty sad state. That's from Daryl. Jason also has a mic drop for us. I was going to try to make a joke that the Cardinals I trusted most were Voight, Rosarena, and Ozuna. And the more I thought about it, the more depressed I got about (laughs) the state of Cardinal baseball. So the short answer is, there's nobody I really trust. I'm telling you, you know, the list last night, I had written down three names, crossed out two. Gallegos was on the list. Like I mentioned, I had Paul DeYoung on the list. And it's harder when you Mm -hmm. remove, we don't know what's going to happen with Wainwright and Molina, so it's fair to move them off the list. Goldschmidt is consistent. You know what you can expect from him. You're confident in him. But if you remove him from the list, it's very difficult to come up with three people that you would feel comfortable putting money on. It's very hard. For this franchise, that's really troubling, isn't it? Yes. Because we have such high expectations, not only that they're going to be good, but that they're going to have premier talent as well. Randy, this one from the 314, this this person says the bat dog would take too much money to sign. (laughs) Uh, I'm not even going to go there. Just saying, if you're the bat dog, you can command a pretty penny. Yeah, because it's a likable, popular item. And your role is important, providing providing, uh, emotional support and collecting the bats. Yeah, very important. Hey, thanks for your text. Thanks for your uh, mic drops. And by the way, we're going to revisit this, so we want to hear from you later on. Uh, coming up in at the top of the hour, three Cardinals that you are confident in outside of Goldie, Yachty, and Wayno. Who are they? That's coming your way at 8. But next up, it's Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
If you would like to participate in the fight at 8.30, you can send us a text right now, 65780. All you have to do is send the word fight with your name to 65780, and maybe Scott will pick you to participate in the fight coming up at 8.30. Kurt Warner will join us at 8.15. And right now, it's time for Take It or Leave It. Michelle, yesterday we got word from Woj, Woj Bomb, <laughs> that James Harden had turned down $50 million a year to remain with the Houston Rockets the last two years of his deal. Would have been worth $50 million a year, but he is set on becoming a member of the Brooklyn Nets and joining his friend Kevin Durant along with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. Take it or leave it. Nobody should ever turn down $50 million a year. Um, that's a really tough one because from where I said, I would never do that. I would never turn that down, but I'm going to leave it because if you know that you can get that maybe a little bit more or comparable money and be in a better situation, I'm going to turn it down. A better situation for you personally. Or maybe a more desirable situation. It might not be better, but it might be more desirable for you. Evidently, a championship is important to James Harden. But I do get tired of players making that commitment and be more than willing to take the initial money, but then when things don't go their way, deciding to bail. He's still got three years left on his deal that he signed at $135 million. But th- Okay, just think about that in normal terms. Can you imagine if the show wasn't going well and you were just like, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm going to Seattle. I- I'm-, I'm turning down this money. I'm going to command more money somewhere else. It's It's hard for us to grasp because it, it doesn't fit our reality. No, their reality is completely different, but I do like the idea of living up to a commitment that you make. True, but in that scenario, again, mm-hmm. in their reality, they're just cogs in ownership's machine anyway. Mm-hmm. They're disposable oh. when they're disposable, so I do not blame players at all for doing what they need to do to achieve their ultimate goals, and if it's a championship for one guy, great. If it's more money for another guy, great. Because when your day is done, it doesn't matter what you, what your commitment to the team was. They'll be, they'll cut bait on their commitment to you so quick, so it doesn't matter to me. But if they do cut bait, you still get the $135 million. $37 million, uh, I'm sorry, $40 million, $824,000 next year, $43 million in 2021, $46 million in 2022. Maybe you shouldn't have signed such a long-term contract. That's true. Okay, but we talk about Nolan Arenado, who signed a long-term deal in Colorado and then has been very public about the fact that he wants to play for a winner and And, throw shade on the team that he signed with. And that's why he signed with an opt-out. But I'm just saying. Uh, And by the way, Harden could have signed with an opt-out, too. But sometimes you take the the thing that is presented to you because it's the smart business thing to do, and it might not be what you actually desire. Then you don't sign it. I don't know. I th- I completely disagree. I think that if I was in that scenario and I knew this was the best financial decision for me and then as time went on, that environment was not living up to the expectations that I had set and I knew that my services could go elsewhere and that I could eventually win, I'm not going to fault a, a guy for signing a deal to secure money for, for his life and his family, but also wanting to win. LeBron has never pushed his way into a trade. LeBron has so much power, he can do whatever he wants. He signed short-term contracts. But he, 
he, he and has with opt outs, by the way. But if LeBron is looking around at the situation and is saying this team is not built to win, he will bust into somebody's office and say, I need you to make this move no. and they will do it. He signs long term co- or short term contracts and then leaves as a free agent. He's done it twice. I don't I don't think it matters. I'm not going to fault somebody for for signing a long term deal and then wanting out. There's no doubt that uh, Mr. Harden does. All right, what do you got? <laughs> okay, take it or leave it, Randy. We talked about how nice the weather has been in November. But take it or leave it. You would not want weather like this around Christmas. I'll leave it. I'll take weather like this around Christmas. Absolutely. If uh, Let me say one thing. If I can get Christmas to cover the grass on Christmas Day, I'm good. But no, if it's going to be like this and 20 degrees outside, this sunny and 20 degrees outside, no, I'll take this. I very much like a white Christmas. It feels like Christmas time to me when there's snow on the ground. So I don't know if I would like it. But a choice between cold without snow and this. I'm with you. I I take snow. No, no, no. The snow is non-negotiable. If the snow is not there, I'm taking this. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) Otherwise, yeah, I'll take the white Christmas for a day. Scotty, what do you got for us? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Take it or leave it. Kyler Murray wins at least one MVP award in his NFL career. I'm going to leave it simply because I. if you would have asked me this eight years ago, I would have said yes about RG3. Hmm. I think I might take it because when you look at the... It's probably going to go to a quarterback more often than not. Mm-hmm. And when you look at this group of young quarterbacks coming up, I would say right now he's leading the pack in a lot of ways. So I would not be surprised if he got an MVP award along the way. He's going to have to have a great year. And if he lifts that franchise, that is a difference maker. But he's going to have to have a better year than Patrick Mahomes. But I wonder if the Patrick Mahomes deal, like we've talked about, if people will just be looking to give it to someone outside of Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Say he's just too consistently amazing. We need to give it to somebody else. Yeah. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for your take it or leave it. It's from the 314. Take it or leave it. It is insane that a top 10 defenseman, Alex Petrangelo, signed for $8 million, and that's big money in hockey, and an NBA player is turning down $50 million. I'm, I'm going to leave it because it's all about the, the money that's in the pot. Right, yeah, and the TV money and the yeah. fact that there are twice as many players on an NHL roster as there are on an mm-hmm. NBA roster. It's comparing apples and oranges. Yeah. There's just... There's not as much money in hockey as there is in basketball. Right. The NBA generates more money. 636, take it or leave it. It's time for the Bears to go back to Mitchie football. Yeah, I'll take it. Although I didn't even realize he was hurt last night. And I wonder how bad Foles is hurt. Did you see? He got carted off. It looked like he broke a hip or something. I was reading about this morning. um, I was going to. You can't play Tyler Bray because Tyler Bray can't throw. So I would think that even with a bad shoulder. Uh, Mitch, please, will be their guy. Mitch, please, will be the guy. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought I had an update on on what the injury was from last night. But, yeah, it seems like that's going to have to be the play for the Bears. So get excited, Chicago Bears fans. Yeah. So I wonder what that was. All right. 65780, Air Comfort Service text line for Take It or Leave It. Take It or Leave It. Tampa Bay beats New Orleans in the NFC Championship and then plays against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll take that. That'll be fun. Although, it's hard to pick New Orleans now, isn't it? I was going to say, I'm not picking New Orleans. Maybe Green Bay? 
if Green Bay is home and Tampa Bay has to go to Green Bay, it's going to be a, a really interesting game. Because Brady can play in the cold weather, but what about the rest of those guys? I picked Green Bay to go to the Super Bowl. so Good call. But that's who I think we'll see in the NFC Championship game as those two teams. Right now, Green Bay would have home field for the NFC. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah. It'd be cold, but no fans sitting Still, on those bleachers. I like the elements. That'd be great. Make them earn it. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. You got it. Coming up, what do you think of the new Blues retro, reverse reverse retro jerseys? We want to get your take on that, and we're going to talk more about that as the show unfolds. Plus, more of your mic drops about who you have confidence in with the Cardinals. What three Cardinals do you have confidence in right now heading into 2021? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Edmund with a drive. It's a fly ball into the corner and right. Carries back, 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 and it's gone! It's a home run for Carpenter! And Carlson hits it out to deep right field. It's at the wall! Gone! There it is! First ever home run in the big leagues, Dylan Carlson! Dylan Carlson was one of the players Michelle has confidence in for 2020, 2021, <laughs> along with Jack Flaherty and Harrison Bader. I picked KK Fowler and Bader as guys that I'm confident in with their performance. We get a text from the 618, Flaherty, Carlson, and Edmund, because I can trust wherever he plays, he'll be a better option than Matt Carpenter. Hmm. That's from the 618. I do have confidence in Tommy Edmund, but... Just not enough to put him on the list. Just because I, I don't know where he's going to be and what to expect out of him in whatever role he's in. And he had such a dramatic drop-off offensively in 2020, which was a weird year. I'm, I'm almost willing to throw 2020 out because it was so weird. Couldn't agree more. But he also didn't put up great numbers in the minors. And I'm worried that 2019 is the aberration for him, the, the rule rather than the exception. Let's get to a mic drop from Michael on 101 ESPN. Three Cardinals that I am most confident in this season. One's going to be Jack Flaherty. I really think he's the ace of the staff. He's got something to prove. He always goes out there with a chip on his shoulder. Two, I think I'm going to say is Dylan Carlson. I think he showed at the end of last year he was great at making adjustments on the fly. He's going to be a keeper. And last but not least, Mike Schilt. He's going to be able to manage any team Mo puts out there, regardless of payroll. Well done, Michael. Good call. I I agree. Uh, we put it in just the player the player realm here, but I absolutely have confidence in Mike Chilt. I would have I would put him at the top of the list if we were including uh, the manager and the coaching staff on this list. I would have Mike Chilt at the very top because I think he's proven to us that he's the right guy for the job and that he can navigate this team through any circumstance. And one more from the three one four Helsley Hicks and Kim three pitchers. Michelle, did you get an opportunity to review? With great detail, the new NHL reverse retro jerseys turned out by Adidas yesterday. I did, Randy. I looked at every single one because after we saw the Blues reveal theirs yesterday, Mm -hmm. I loved what the Blues put out and I wanted to see what the other teams were working with. I think it's really interesting and I think there are some great choices. What do you have as your top three? Okay, since since this is the segment of threes, I absolutely love 
what the Carolina Hurricanes did. Their reverse retro jersey goes back to 1979. It's the Hartford Whaler sweater. And I not only feel badly for Hartford that they lost the Whalers, mm-hmm. but it's a great logo and a great sweater. It is a fantastic logo. Good job and by them. I love the colors, too, the gray and the blue and the green. Mm-hmm. So I thought that they did a great job. And that one is going to sell like hotcakes. Oh, big time. Because in Hartford, they still love the Whalers. They still love the, the Whalers. If you ever fly out of Bradley International Airport in Hartford, they have Whalers gear everywhere. It's like the team is still there. It's very sad. It's very sad. <laughs> I bought a hat once because I feel for them. <laughs> um, okay, so next on the list, I'm scrolling down so that I can have it here. Next on my list, Randy, is Minnesota. I love what they did as an homage to the North Stars. I love the colors. I love the the trees and the horizon back there with the moon. So they're number two on my list, Minnesota and the nod to the North Stars. I like it. And finally, Randy, we're going all the way down to the bottom. My third favorite sweater in the reverse retro collection is the Winnipeg Jets. It's a classic style uh, with their current colors. I love that they have the jet in the corner on the circle. And it's bringing it all the way back to 1966. But I think it's a classic look with a modern twist, and it looks great. Very nice. I like it. I am going with my number three being the Kings. In the 70s, they were purple and gold. And then in the 80s, when they got Gretzky, they had a great logo. They've combined the Gretzky logo with the purple and gold, and it looks fabulous. My number two is the Florida Panthers. They've gone with a navy with the lunging panther that's coming right at you. And I think it looks fantastic. That one is good. And my number one is... A jersey that a lot of people think is the number one jersey in hockey, but it's just reversed, and I love it reversed. It's the Montreal Canadiens going navy with the Red Sea, and rather than being red with the Red Sea, they're going navy, and it's a beautiful look. So Montreal is my number one. I did love that one, too. It is a very sharp look, but I didn't put it on the list because it's just such a classic look. While the colors are different, it looks the same to me, so I didn't add it to the list, but it does look very sharp. I go with the blues in my top five. How about you? I agree. The blues are definitely in my top five. We do have a lot of polarization with the blues. Some people think it's great. Some people think it's terrible. And people say, well, why didn't they do something different? Why didn't they make it this jersey with the colors that they used in the Winter Classic? It's called reverse retro. So what they're doing is reversing the colors. So Uh what was red in the 90s jersey, the retro jersey, is now blue. And what was blue is now red. So therefore, reverse retro. Can I give you two that I absolutely hated? Sure. I thought that what the Avalanche did was too much. I know it's a nod to Quebec, the Nordiques, but it just looks too cluttered for me. The floor de lis that are lining the bottom just looks so out of place. Sports Illustrated had had that as their number one. I think it's that's an erroneous list, Randy, because I thought I looked at that and I went, this just doesn't look good. It looks too cluttered for me. That's fair. And then the other one that I thought was so bad was Anaheim, the Mighty Ducks. Oh, that's, it's just stupid. It's an illustration of the the duck logo, their mascot, Wild Wing. He's breaking through the ice. And they also have that wacky font that they used to have back in the mid 90s. But this, it just looks cheaply made. This looks like something that you bought at Disneyland because your kid was screaming in line at Space Mountain and you wanted to do something to shut them up. Or something that you got free because you turned in so many cereal boxes and then they sent you a free prize. It just looks poorly done. I'm with you there. 
And I'm, I'm going to throw that out just because it's so ridiculous. That'll be like number 33 of 32 for me. I guess we don't have the Kraken yet, for th- so 32 or 31. <laughs> My number 30 is the Dallas Stars. Oh, yeah, that one was bad, too. You don't go with silver on white. It just it looks stupid. And the worst, and it's traditionally the worst, even with regular jerseys, is the Detroit Red Wings. I don't know what the Red Wings were thinking. Maybe they didn't get the memo that we're changing, but it's basically the exact same stupid Red Wings jersey, that stupid winged wheel that we've always seen. Ever seen a wing on a wheel? No, you haven't. Have you ever seen anything (laughs) creative out of the Detroit Red Wings in terms of their jerseys? No. And that's exactly where they are with reverse retro. Can you imagine the group think there when they were coming up with the, the team? They're like, okay, try this on for size when we're talking logos. A wheel with a wing. Not great. And everybody went, yeah, that's it. You nailed it. Nailed it. Let's do it. When you're number 31 in a league that has a team that's been around since 2018, that's pretty bad because when Vegas's retros are better than yours (laughs) and you've been around forever, that's a real problem for the, the wings. So that's just terrible. And that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Kurt Warner was on our air last night with the Vikings and the Bears. He'll be with us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Last two drives to the Rams. Three and out. Huge first half for Warner. Less than a mediocre second half. Georgia Frontier. Heart pounding at the 27-yard line. Warner to throw. Going deep downfield, adjusting for it is Isaac Bruce. And Isaac Bruce threads his way for a touchdown. 73 yards. Couple of Hall of Famers that helped the St. Louis Rams win Super Bowl 34 down in Atlanta. And one of those Hall of Famers, Kurt Warner, is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. This is Randy Carricker. And Kurt, good morning. Thanks for taking some time with us. How are you doing? I am doing extremely well, guys. Just uh, traveling around, enjoying the season at this point. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's all good considering uh, it's a crazy year for all of us. But uh, all things considered, things are going well for me. It is a crazy year, Kurt, and as you know, a lot of people are putting up their Christmas trees, and we put up our sports tree the other night with our Kurt Warner ornament <laughs> that we still have. How aware are you that there are Kurt Warner ornaments out there in the world? Well, I mean, that's the uh, the major thing about social media is uh, come this time of year, you do see, you know, a few shots here and there of uh, of those old Hallmark, um, you know, ornaments that they go up on people's trees, and so... Nice to uh, to think back to those times and, and uh, that crazy run that we had. So I'm aware of it to some degree. If it wasn't for social media, I probably would have no clue. And Kurt, a lot of people in St. Louis have been putting up Christmas trees early because we need any sort of joy infusion in 2020. But I was putting up my Christmas tree on Sunday as I was watching the slate of NFL games. And there's so many interesting young quarterbacks in the league right now. So if you had to put stock in one of these young quarterbacks that you think will have a great future, who would Kurt Warner put stock in? Well, I mean, that's a great question. Um, There are a lot of different young quarterbacks. And, you know, I think that's where you kind of have to break it down. Uh, And I'm going to give you two. I mean, obviously, you know, being in Arizona now and Kyler Murray in my backyard, um, you know, he intrigues me um, that I still think he's got a ways to go as a, as a passer and to learn all the nuances of playing the position. But 
uh, he's so exciting and he's such a playmaker. And you do feel like when he's on the squad that, uh, that your team has a chance every time out. So I'm excited to watch him and to watch his growth. Um, and, you know, he, he's a guy that can do, obviously, he can run and pass. Uh, very talented in, in both regards. Um, and another guy that I really like is Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I think more of to how I played the game, uh, his ability to see coverages, decipher what he's seeing, get the ball out on time, all of those things, he has done extremely well for a rookie. And those are things to me that translate long-term, right? You have the athleticism and that can carry you for a while, but the ability to actually see defenses decipher and make the throws like a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady is something that uh, can equal longevity in this business. And so those are a couple guys, and as you said, there's a lot of good young quarterbacks out there, but those are a couple guys that, that stand out that uh, – that I would be happy to build my franchise around uh, if I owned a franchise. Kurt, speaking of Kyler Murray, what was your reaction when you watched him on that Hale Murray play, the way he was able to roll out to the opposite side and place that ball perfectly for DeAndre Hopkins? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, amazing, you know, because, you know, you understand that there's two elements to, uh, to every Hale Murray. And the first one is being able to hold the ball long enough and avoid the pass rush so you can – get set and, and make a throw. Uh, and then the ability to, you know, loft the ball in such a way that your receiver has a chance to kind of gauge it and, and go get it. And uh, to watch him, uh, A, do the first one, which, uh, you know, you sit back and you go, I don't know how many guys elude that pressure that he sees to put himself in a position. Uh, and then, you know, the arm talent and, and ability to understand how to make that throw. Uh, so DeAndre can, can kind of gauge it and, and get in the right spot and go up amongst those, uh, those three defenders and make that play. And so uh, Hail Marys are always fun. Um, but, you know, t- to watch how he did that and how he put it all together uh, is extremely impressive. And, and it's fun to watch, you know, guys that, that you say to yourself, I'm not sure too many guys could do that. So to see those special players make those special plays is, uh, is always fun. Hall of Famer Kurt Warner with us on 101 ESPN. Kurt, as you prepare for a game like last night, we heard you here on 101 ESPN with the Vikings and the Bears, or when you get your stat packet from NFL Network, and you evaluate a quarterback statistically, and you're going to tell us how to evaluate a quarterback. What are the first one or two things that you look at statistically to evaluate a quarterback? Um, Well, again, it, it changes depending on who the player is, and that's something that I've learned over the years is, um, you know, when, when I first started analyzing things, I, I think the first thing that you do is you start kind of analyzing players based on how you play. And so I think I put more stock early in, as I was talking about with Joe Burrow, the ability to see coverages and decipher and get the ball out on time and do those things in the pocket that you have to do at this level, but things that, uh, that I did really well. And so I valued that a little bit more. Um, now that I've done this for a while, what I come to realize each and every year is that there's a lot of different ways to play quarterback in the NFL. And not everybody is going to be great um, at what you do in the pocket. But if you're not great there, then you've got to find ways to be great uh, doing other things. And now you have the guys like the Patrick Mahomes and the Russell Wilsons and those types of guys, the Sean Watsons, um, that do so many incredible things off schedule and outside of that, that you have to kind of try to analyze things a little bit differently. And so each quarterback 
you have to analyze them uh, differently. So there's no one way, Randy, to, to do that. And so uh, that's what you kind of have to learn, and you have to take it all in, is that I want quarterbacks that can make the layups, is what I say, meaning you have to be able to read and take the throws and make the throws you're supposed to make. And then beyond that, you have to be able to give me something special. And what is that? For some guys, it simply looks like Tom Brady in the pocket making the throws and the reads he's supposed to make. And he does that in a special way. For other guys like a Russell Wilson, it might not be, you know, those in-the-pocket extra throws, but it's what he does running around and being able to create it, being able to make specific throws on the move. And so that's what makes, I think, the position so hard to really gauge, you know, what a guy's going to be from college to the pros. Um, and then to understand that it doesn't have to look one way. And I think for a lot of evaluators and what have you, it's tough to evaluate different ways and go, oh, well, this guy can be just as effective as this guy. It's just going to look completely different, but I'm okay with that. And, um, you know, and so that's what makes it such a beautiful position. But I think what makes it so, so difficult to really gauge uh, who's going to be great at the NFL level and who's not, because you, you can't always measure that stuff until sometimes you just you see it at the highest level. Kurt, I thought it was interesting last night with the Bears and the Vikings, and you had tweeted over the weekend about how the greatest show on turf changed the way the game is played, and I thought last night was a perfect example because before Mike Martz got here, and before you started for the Rams in 99, pretty much every team came out with a running back or two and three wide receivers, and you guys regularly in opening series would come out four wide with an empty backfield. We saw that with both teams last night, and everybody does that now, and that never happened before the greatest show on turf. Yeah, I mean, it is. And you know, just like I was saying you know, with the quarterbacks, is you come to realize that uh, you know, quarterbacks can play different ways. I think when you have teams like that, uh, you start to understand, oh, you can actually win different ways in the NFL. And I, I do believe, you know, when you're talking about Randy, you know, a couple of decades ago, that people felt like, well, if you're going to win in the NFL, you've got to be able to run the football and you've got to be able to, to dominate the line of scrimmage. And obviously those are always components no matter what area you play in. But, you know, it showed people that, hey, there are different ways to win, and there are different ways to put pressure on defenses. Um, and, you know, that is, is one of the things that I think people have taken and going, okay, we've really got to play to our skill set uh, as opposed to just playing one brand of football. Uh, and, you know, that, that to me is what makes it fun, is when uh, somebody can kind of open up your imagination to what the possibilities are. And, um, and I think we were able to do that as a unit with the greatest show on turf is just kind of let people know, Hey, you know, if you have the pieces, there are different ways to win in the NFL. And, you know, and then you guys know now the rules are all kind of skewed to the offense. And so with that being the case, um, now I think you just see more and more teams do that because the rules are advantageous to do that. But with all that being said, you look every year at the playoff teams and teams that make run in the playoffs and, you know, primarily those are teams that run the football very well and dominate the line of scrimmage. So that still is very, very important. But, um, you know, in, in, in an era when it's all about scoring points and high-flying and throw first, uh, I think a lot of that was ushered in by, by our group in St. Louis. Kurt, the top tier of teams is pretty solidified in the AFC. But as you look through the landscape of the NFC, which team do you think is the best right now? 
a great question. Um, and you know, we were talking about that on our, our NFL game day morning show on Sunday. And what I really believe with the NFC is I don't know if there's one dominant team. And I don't know if there will be one dominant team in the NFC. I really believe it's going to come down to matchups. And you see that again quite often come playoff time, that it's not always about the best team being able to run the table. It's about do you get the best matchups for what you do? And, uh, you know, we, we've seen, you know, the, the Packers play against the Bucks, and the Bucks were just too physical, whereas the Packers seem to be more of a kind of a finesse team, um, and they're going to play really well against teams that aren't quite as physical. And then we see the Saints uh, have the ability to kind of play both ways, and they seem to have Tampa Bay's number there. You know, Seattle is always going to be an X factor because they can score, and they've got a, a quarterback in Russell Wilson that can do things. But if you can manhandle them defensively and own the line of scrimmage like the Rams did the other night, or we've seen a couple other teams do that, um, they're going to struggle because their defense is that bad. And so I don't really know how it's going to shake out. Now Drew Brees with the injury going to be out a while. What does that mean for the Saints? Um, so it, to me, it's always one of those, okay, got to have home field advantage um, because that, that's going to loom large, even though you know right now it's, it's a different home field advantage, but not traveling is always a good thing. And it's going to come down to who your matchups are come playoff time and how you match up with those teams in the areas where, you know, your strengths and weaknesses, I think will go a long way in determining who represents the NFC in the, in the Super Bowl. It was another successful Warner's warm-up for Kurt's First Things First Foundation. Kurt and Brenda always doing great work in St. Louis. And it's amazing to me, Kurt, and I know it is to you, that St. Louisans still respond. And I know that you were able to generate a lot of coats for underprivileged people this year with Warner's warm-up earlier this month. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's incredible to us as well, Randy, is that um, the people there, the community there, never, never disappoints. They understand uh, there's always a need, and, and they step up for that need. And uh, even in the midst of the pandemic, where we were kind of, you know, running around trying to figure out how we were going to do that and what that was going to look like, and uh, you know, trying to create some drop-off locations, uh, you know, where people could just drive through and drop off their coats um, amidst what's going on. And uh, we thank all of our sponsors for, for being a part of that and continuing to promote it. But we thank all the people there that, um, once again. They showed up in incredible ways, and you know Brenda and myself uh, and all of us at First Things First were, were amazed once again that even in the midst of, uh, of everything going on, that the people there uh, showed their true colors, as they always do, and we're grateful to them. Uh, and it will go a long way in uh, in helping people this winter. Kurt, we're thrilled that we can still hear you all the time, whether it's on Westwood One and here on 101 ESPN or watch you on NFL Network. It's great. Have a great Thanksgiving, you and your family, and a happy holiday season. Awesome. Happy holidays to you guys as well. Always great to talk to you. Thanks, Kurt. See you later. That is the great Kurt Warner, the Hall of Famer, joining us on 101 ESPN. Isn't it amazing that all these years he and Brenda have continued to pour back into St. Louis and serve the community? It's remarkable. When you think about the fact that his last year here was 2003, his last start was in September of 2003, and here we are in November of 2020, and whether it's the Warner's warm-up or Homes for the Holidays where he provides a home for an underprivileged family Mm -hmm. or taking kids from uh, airports to Disney World for trips for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, what they do is unbelievable. And that's what makes Kurt 
beyond the football, which was great, but it, it's what makes Kurt one of the most revered and beloved athletes in the history of our town, is what he continues to do for our community. And the Rams leaving St. Louis was sad for a lot of reasons, but the community impact that so many former players had and continue to have on St. Louis is a big part of that. It, the NFL platform and some of the great people that came into our community through the vessel that is football is something that is missed. It yeah. really is. Kurt Isaac, you still see Orlando around town. Tori is still very involved in the community. Chris Long. Chris Long is amazing in our community. So yeah, the, those guys are what it's all about. Coming up, we've got the fight here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN, and it is time for the fight. Let's welcome in Randy's challenger today. Tim is with us. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tim. You sound like you're in a good mood, and I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. It's it's actually not raining or anything today, so (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. Isn't it amazing how much the weather dictates our mood? (laughs) Yeah, it, (laughs) it is amazing. Randy and I have been talking about it because I'm doing the 75 hard challenge where I have to work out twice a day and one of them has to be outside. So I've been checking the forecast like a psychopath every day so that I can find that window when it's just sunny enough and just warm enough to get out there. But we have really lucked out in November with the weather. Yeah, we have. uh, uh, I I get to see the afternoons because I work second shift. But yeah, it totally dictates everything. It really does. Well, let's hope the weather dictates this fight for you, because if it's great weather outside, hopefully you have a great fight, Tim. Okay, question number one for you. Andy Reid just received a contract extension extension yesterday. When did he begin his stint with the Kansas City Chiefs as their head coach? Was it 2011, 2012, or 2013? I want to say 2012. Question number two, Tim. How many teams has Kirk Cousins played for in the NFL? Two, three, or four? Two. Chris Paul was traded to Phoenix yesterday, and the Suns will become the fifth different team that CP3 will play for in his career. Tim, which team drafted Chris Paul back in 2005? The LA Clippers, the Houston Rockets, or the New Orleans Hornets? I want to say the New Orleans Hornets. And final question for you, Tim. Since 2000, how many different Cardinals players have led the NL in home runs? One, two, or three? Uh, I would say one. All right, we're checking our score here. Tim, if you had to pick who that person is, that one person, if you're right on that answer, who would you go with? Albert Pujols. It's <laughs> a pretty good guess. Pretty we, good we guess. We can't tell if you got it right or not. Right. Uh, yeah, but- I know. <laughs> Randy's getting settled in here. Randy, please say good morning to Tim. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Good, Randy. Nice to get to talk to you again. Thank you very much. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you playing. Good luck. Thank you. Same to you. Good luck, Randy. All right, question number one. Andy Reid just received a contract extension. When did he begin his stint with the Kansas City Chiefs as their head coach? 2013. I believe it was the year after 
Jeff Fisher's first year with the Rams. That really worked out well. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Question number two, Randy. How many teams has Kirk Cousins played for in the NFL? He got drafted by the Redskins and then became a free agent and went to the Vikings, too. Randy, Chris Paul was traded to Phoenix yesterday. The Suns are going to become the fifth different team that CP3 will play for in his career. Which team drafted him back in 2005? It was... I don't know if they were still in Charlotte, but it was the Hornets slash Pelicans. And final question for you, Randy. Since 2000, how many different Cardinals players have led the NL in home runs? What's the year? Since 2000. Okay, well, you've had Albert has led the league in home runs since then. Um, Holiday never did. Beltran never did. Berkman never did. Goldie never did. Um, I don't think Edmonds did with his 42 because I don't think he had as many as Albert did. Um, 2000. Since then, Edmund never did. You're supposed to laugh when I say Edmund never did. (laughs) I'm going to go with one, Albert. What a good fight today, and we have got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. This was a tough fight today. Questions all over the map. And Randy just edged him out four to three. It was so close. Let's give the answers. <laughs> so Andy Reid began his stint as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs in 2013. He's currently in his eighth season with an 85 and 36 record. And Fisher's really right there, right close to him, right? From right. His- yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we'll see, Randy, when Jeff Fisher returns to the league. Oh, yeah. He's coming back. Because <laughs> you know that he's got that on deck, right? Yeah. Um, Kirk Cousins has played for two teams in the NFL, as Randy mentioned, Washington and Minnesota. He played in Washington for six years, and he's in his third year with the Vikings. Chris Paul was drafted back in 2005 by the New Orleans Hornets. He played six seasons there. Uh, we will accept the Pelicans, too. Randy said the Hornets slash Pelicans, but we would have accepted both. And since 2000, one Cardinals player has led the National League in home runs. It was Albert Pujols. He did it in 09 and in 2010. Tim, excellent fight. Thank you so much for playing. Thank you. Have a good good day, guys. You too, Tim. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Coming up... We want your mic drops about the new Blues reverse retro jersey, the red with the blue. We will also want your text, and we're going to find out how the Blues reached the conclusion to go with this particular color and scheme from Steve Chapman, Executive Vice President, Chief Revenue Officer of the Blues, who joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Smallman on 101 ESPN, your home of the St. Louis Blues and the Blues yesterday, along with Adidas, unveiled their reverse retro red jersey that'll be an alternate for the upcoming season. And the Blues Executive Vice President, Chief Revenue Officer, Steve Chapman is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Chappie, great to have you with us on this show. I think it's the first time. How you doing? Hey, Randy. How are you doing? It's, it's great to be on. Hope you guys are doing well. Everything's going great here. We wanted to ask how you and Adidas and the NHL reached the conclusion that you should go with a red jersey. 
Uh, well, it's, it starts with the program that the league was doing. And, and I mean, I, I think it, a little historical context about the National Hockey League is important. Um, you know, if you go through the, the different leagues, uh, I would say that hockey has probably historically not been um, at the cutting edge of, uh, of doing, you know, some pretty unique things when it comes to, you know, to jerseys or sweaters, as we call them. You know, in baseball, basketball, they'll do different sweaters to commemorate occasions and things like that. And we've always been more traditional. And, and I think Adidas being one of our league partners and the league itself wanted to do something uh, that was a little fun. And, you know, I think it's important to note it's, it's, a, it's a program that, uh, that is hearkening back to, you know, uh, teams, different historical jerseys, retro jerseys, and just taking a different spin on it. And they just thought it'd be something that the, that the fans would love. And, and so the league and the teams and everybody's gotten behind it. Um, why red? That was your question. Uh, well, that was a, you know, that was a sweater that, uh, that, that I think over the years has been, uh, has been quite a topic in blues history. And, uh, and it was one that just, uh, of the different designs that we looked at, we thought had a lot of appeal. And, uh, and so anyway, that's, that's how we got to where we got with it. Steve, you're right. The jerseys with the red are quite a topic in Blues history. And Rain and I were talking, it seems like people have a very immediate and visceral reaction to that sweater, whether it's the new retro reverse with the all red or just the small stripe of red. But it seems like people either absolutely love that sweater or they hate it. Is that what you've felt in your experience, too? Yeah, no, it is, Michelle. And uh, and to be honest with you, I mean, it, I, I don't think anybody who's in a Blues family has any has any shock over the reaction to this because you're, you're exactly right. People love this sweater, or they hate the sweater. And uh, and you know what? Um, that's a little bit of of the boldness, I guess, of of what we were looking for. And and it's it's almost happened somewhat predictably, if I, if I were if I were being honest. Um, you know, I think a fan base is a lot like a family, so to speak. And, and I don't know if you imagine your family around a, uh, and I hate to bring this up in COVID times, but around a, a Thanksgiving dinner, you know, you, you have, you have grandpa over here and uncle Joe and they have the way they look at things and you have the, you know, the young kids over here and how they look at things and, and, and everybody has an opinion, uh, but they're still family at the end of the day. Well, you know, this, this is, this is kind of a microcosm of that. It's uh, everybody's got a different opinion about it. Um, yes, there's definitely been some reaction of, uh, of people who, who do not like that sweater, who do not like the red, but I have to be honest with you. There's been a tremendous reaction, not only to this sweater, but into bringing back the, uh, you know, the 90 sweater that we did, you know, earlier this year. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, it's, you're trying to appeal to as many people as possible. And by the way, Michelle and I both like the Jersey mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people are, are buying them. How many times will the blues wear them Chappie? You know what? It's going to be probably about five or six times over the course of this season. Um, obviously, we have to get the season going, but uh, but you know, with that uh, with that hopefully on the horizon here, we'll wear it about five or six times this year and just add something to, to uh, you know to the collection. And I wanted to ask about the collection because so many fans are interested in your original Winter Classic jersey. Will that be part of because it wasn't the last time the Blues played? Will that be part of the rotation going forward at all? Oh, absolutely! You're talking about the powder blues. Yes. Ones you wore in the- yeah. Oh, that's that is a that's a stalwart. Uh, that's not leaving anytime soon. We can promise you. All right, Chappie. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. 
Hey, guys, appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. That's Steve Chapman from the Blues. He's their chief revenue officer, and you've got the reverse retro. So what it is, it's a retro jersey where the Blues had a red diagonal stripe in the 90s on a blue jersey. Now that diagonal stripe is blue with a red jersey and the yellow stripes. The accent, to me, Michelle, is Mm -hmm. what really makes the jersey. And I think they've done really well with the yellow accents. I'm a big fan of those. I think that it looks great. And again, it's called reverse retro. So they had Mm. to make the red the dominant color. And like we just mentioned, that is a sweater when you look back in Blues history that always causes a reaction one way or another. And I love that they made a bold choice here and said, we're going to take that one and we're going to make this the, the sweater that we remix. From the 314, hated it in 1995 and it's worse now. What? From the 636, you can tell them it sucks. That's from our friend Cottleville, Chris. But then from the 314, the retro jerseys are awesome looking. I think they're awesome, too. And it's not as if they're wearing them the entire season. It's something that is going to happen five or six times, and it's going to be a fun twist on uh, a retro look. Right. here. How about this one from the 618? I'm not a big fan of the new jersey, but I'll keep it positive. They'll look great at a Cardinals game. That's true. That is true. And, you know, I look back... On that, I look back on that sweater finally because it reminds me of growing up watching blues hockey. It reminds me mm-hmm. of Brett Hull and, and that era and being able to go to games with my dad. So I certainly have a nostalgic tied to it because I was a kid then. And when you're a kid, you think things like the red look different and cool, especially in the 90s. So I think it kind of depends on what generation of a Blues fan you are, and that colors the way that you look at the jersey. And what you want to do is build brand loyalty, and I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of kids that are going to ask for the red jersey for Christmas because they think it's cool. Absolutely. Here's a mic drop on 101 ESPN. I'm so torn with the new jerseys. I was always so upset because I didn't want anything other than the ones with the arch on the chest. However, that being said, these new jerseys look awesome. There you go. It's amazing how we have either awesome or awful. And I love it. I love the fact that this is clearly a debate that will not be settled because you're either on Team Retro or Team Original and you aren't anywhere in between. Nobody is saying, yeah, that jersey's okay. Yeah. No one's saying, I'm fine with it. You either love it or you hate it. (laughs) A couple more quick texts. This one from the 314. Well, at least one team in St. Louis can wear red and win now. Yikes. (laughs) Come on, we have confidence in some guys in the Cardinals. We do. And that is going to be part of our next topic here on 101 ESPN. Which three Cardinals do you have confidence in for 2021? We want your mic drops. We want your texts. And we'll continue that discussion next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 902 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Great to have you with us on Character and Smallman. And we want to hear from you about... What three Cardinals you have the most confidence in? Now, we're all going to pick Goldschmidt. So he's out of the mix. Players that aren't on the roster right now, Molina, Wainwright, and Colton Wong. You're not allowed to pick them because they aren't on the roster. So uh, players that are on the roster right now that aren't Paul Goldschmidt, who are the three that you have confidence in? And Michelle, we talked to, to Mark Saxon about this yesterday. Yes, we did. 
Um, because when you look at the roster, Randy, you can pick three guys, but do you really feel that comfortable in all of your selections? If you had to write them down on Sharpie, put some money on it, and say, I have confidence these three guys are going to be consistent performers for the Cardinals at the through the entire 2021 season and at the end, can you come up with three guys that you feel good about? And so we asked Mark Saxon yesterday, and here's what he had to say. You know, the team has always shown tremendous, you know, belief in Paul DeYoung. And I, I do think last season his, his, his hitting numbers were affected by the fact that he, he did get sick with COVID. It took him a while to get his strength back. I think people just need to be a little bit accepting of that. He's a guy who I, I think they still absolutely view as a core piece. But you're right, and then you might even jump to a guy like Dylan Carlson after that just because, you know, you saw their belief in him when his numbers were really not good um, after he came up that first time and they sent him back to satellite camp. They brought him back with tremendous belief that he would turn it around, and he did that. And within a week or so or 10 days, he was the cleanup hitter. So that tells you what they believe about his upside. And I think a lot of... Uh, so Dylan Carlson is a guy that you had in your list. We both had Harrison Bader on our list, too, which is interesting. It is. My entire list was Jack Flaherty, Dylan Carlson, and Harrison Bader. I said, I have more confidence in the 2019 Jack Flaherty showing up in 2021 than I do the 2020 Jack Flaherty coming back. I have confidence in Dylan Carlson being what I expect him to be, and that's a young player with a lot of potential growing in 2021. I'm not expecting him to light the world on fire, but I do expect him getting more consistent reps with this team to start to grow into the player that will potentially do that. And then Harrison Bader. I have confidence in him to be an elite defender. We know pretty much what he's going to give the Cardinals, and hopefully he can have an uptick in offensive production. But I do feel confident saying that I know I'm going to get elite defense out of Harrison Bader. And my question for myself was, am I confident that that player can at least match, if not exceed, what he has done for the course of his career. That's what I'm asking. I'm asking for your career numbers over the course of a season. And so that's why I took Fowler, who aside from one year, has pretty much turned in his same season all the time. And it's not great, but you know what you're going to get. Bader actually last year, despite the fact that he barely hit 200 and the Cardinals don't evaluate players via batting average. So that's not a big deal anyway, but his numbers were representative for him. And then KK is a guy that I thought in his first year, when you look at what he was able to do in uh, the KBO and what he was able to do in his first year in St. Louis, I'm confident that he's going to be able to pull off again what he did last year. Are you worried about opposing teams figuring him out now that they have a sample size? Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that, but he's a left-hander and the ball moves and he's got good stuff. So I'm not overly concerned about it. Let's hear a mic drop from Alec on 101 ESPN. Number one's got to be Jack Flaherty. Got to have confidence in him. Um, we're going to be a pitching defense team again next year, so I'm confident he can lead our squad. Number two is going to be Austin Gomber. I really like him as our best lefty. I know Kim had a great year, uh, but Kim's underlying stats are a little bit concerning for me. Uh, we'll see how he does next year. I hope he proves me wrong. But Gomber's definitely number two for me. And then Carlson, I think, takes the best at bats on the team. He's going to draw a lot of walks, and that's going to give him confidence to hit the ball. He's going to be a stud for us. Great calls. Isn't it it amazing, based on the little sample size that we have of Dylan Carlson, that he's on this list for so many people? Yeah, and Austin Gomber, to be on it too, is 
pretty remarkable. But yeah, so many people have picked Dylan Carlson. And we have to hope that he turns into the player that the Cardinals expect him to be. I was just going to say, do you think our confidence lies in the hope, though? Are we that confident in him, or is it because we really, really want him to be that person, so we want to have confidence in him? We're buying into the end of the season in the playoffs, which isn't a bad thing because he was able to do it. Some guys that are great prospects never do it. So at least he he gave it to you for three weeks. Yeah. So it's reasonable to expect that he's going to be able to figure things out and be a good player. From the 3-1 floor, four, Flaherty, Gant, and DeYoung. And Gant, by the way, has made a lot of lists this morning. DeYoung was on my list originally, but I removed him just because I want to see if he can endure for an entire season. I'm throwing 2020 out because he unfortunately contracted COVID, and we know that that had an effect on him, as Mark Saxon mentioned, um, from a physical standpoint. So I'm not going to in any way dock him for fatigue in 2020 <laughs> after you dealt with this right. virus. But it is something that existed prior to that. So I just don't know if I can confidently put him on that list for the entire year. Here's another one with John Gant and Paul DeYoung. It's from... The 636, John Gant, Pauly D, and Dexter Fowler are a for sure. Pauly for his defense. And here's an interesting one, Michelle, that I didn't think that we would see. It's from Paul in the 417. And Paul gives us Carpenter, hmm. DeYoung, and Carlson. And okay. that's Chris. Not Chris. That's Matt. Wait. Matt Carpenter, not Chris. Oh. You could count on Chris when he was healthy to be pretty good. Did uh, we get a reason why? Matt Carpenter? No, just those three names. Okay, cool. I like the confidence, and you know what? I think he would appreciate the confidence. I think he would, too. From the 618, DeYoung, Edmund, and Flaherty, and a lot of people going with Jack. It's reasonable to go with Jack based upon what he's turned in over the course of his career. Last year, notwithstanding, where I don't think that he ever got into a rhythm. Opening day, he pitches. He pitches great. They shut it down before his next start. They come back, and he was babied from there on in. Pitchers, starting pitchers need to get into an every Mm -hmm. fifth day rhythm, and he never did. Yeah, you had pitch counts, you you being restricted. You weren't unleashed until um, a certain point in the season. You're at one point throwing against a mattress in a hotel yep. room to try and stay warm. So that's why I think that you you look at this season as an outlier for him. And it's not like as if he had a terrible out a terrible season in terms of production. But I certainly don't think that the circumstances surrounding what this team dealt with is conducive to getting your best Jack Flaherty. And I do also think this. The team talked a lot, especially the pitcher, the pitchers on the staff talked a lot about how inspired they were by Adam Wainwright. Mm-hmm. And we know that Jack Flaherty has Mamba mentality. We know that he is a competitor. And this is somebody who, going into the season, everybody said was going to be the ace of the staff. We're going to be able to rely on Jack Flaherty. He's going to be the guy. And as much as he probably loves and appreciates his teammate there's got to be something in the back of his head when he's working out this offseason that says someone else took that designation from me and I'm going to reclaim it this year which is another reason why I, why I feel confident in him and the opportunity to be the alpha if Wayno isn't here correct I think will play a big role from the 417 Actually, you know, this is from the 618. Any consideration for Fowler in a contract year? He's a sleeper. I didn't consider Dexter Fowler and put him on my list because of the contract year. I just look at his level of consistency, aside from 2018, over the course of his career, and he's been a really consistent player. And I have every reason to believe that he'll be in great shape and that he'll provide that league average offense that he has for the Cardinals over the course of his time here. 
Can you remember a time, Randy, in recent history where you had this many questions about individual players on a Cardinals roster as you do right now? There are very few players that I don't have questions about mm-hmm. because of the There's- weird COVID season. And like I said, I'm willing to throw this that, all of last season out. But There's really only one guy right. that we put on the list, Paul Goldschmidt, that we don't have questions and about. And he still only hit six home runs in 60 games, right? 58 games. I mean, he wasn't great. He's getting older. He's going to be 33. He, he was great relative to the rest of the Cardinals, but he wasn't relative to the rest of his career. I think it's reasonable to have questions about everybody that's on this roster right now. I don't feel like there's a rock solid on this roster. I really don't. And can you remember a time in recent memory where you felt this way about a Cardinal team? There have been a lot of years with a lot of questions where you said, okay, I've got questions about the rotation or or I've got a question about the bullpen or uh, the lineup, but there was always a real strong suit. Mm -hmm. I don't see a definitive strong suit. I hope that the starting pitching is a strong suit for the Cardinals, but their offense, their lineup is not going to be a strong suit. They aren't going to go out and make the move for their offense to be a strong suit. So what we're going to have to, like we had a mic dropper say, it's going to be another run suppression team. You have to hope that everybody's great defensively, but what's Tommy Edmond going to be at second base? We don't know. What's the the situation behind the plate? We don't know. So yeah, there are more questions overall about this team than in recent memory. Yeah, when you have so many players bouncing back from injury in your in your pitching staff, you have to wonder how they're going to bounce back. There's a lot of I, I think I feel more comfortable with the pitching than any other component of this team. While I do feel confident in the defense, you remove Colton Wong and Yadier Molina from that equation. What's up the middle going to look like, as you mentioned? And the offense is one big question mark. We have no idea what to expect. We certainly hope that we don't see what we saw the past few seasons, but who knows? That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, can the Cardinals sign Jack Flaherty to an extension? The St. Louis media member that knows him best is Mike Claiborne. Claves will join us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. At Channel 5, Frank Cusimano always puts together these fabulous lists, top 10 lists for St. Louis sports history. And every weekend, Mike Claiborne and I get a text from Coos. We get it together about, okay, what do you guys think of this? This is our top 10 list. Give me some ideas. <laughs> Mike Claiborne is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Of course, part of the Cardinal broadcast crew. And Claims, I guess you and I, along with Coos, are the guy, maybe we're just old. And he thinks, okay, I can get some history lessons from these guys. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? We're survivors, and, and we are old. You're absolutely right. I mean, we we've seen a lot, done a lot, thought a lot, and uh, I think we just we're lone survivors, man. I can name them on one hand. So, uh, uh, and, and you know what, Randy? You and I have these uh, very bizarre memories of sports that only you and I could probably roll out, and people were like, "Damn." These guys had nothing to do when they were younger. So I'll, I'll I think never, there's a lot of things that go into it. I'll never forget driving down the road one time, listening to a show, and I, I guess you guys were talking about hockey numbers, and you brought up Dave Herekesi. and <laughs> I, record number twenty nine. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's number twenty nine, and he was so. I just, I wanted that guy to make it because of his name. I agree. You know, I, he was the first mad Hungarian, I guess. I think he was here before Hungo. I think he no, was. No, he came after Hungo. He came after Hungo. Uh, yeah, right. Mid-70s and, and or then, so. I think they got, didn't they get him for Larry Patey? No. Or didn't they trade? 
No, wait a minute. They traded Wayne Merrick for Larry Page. Wayne Merrick, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He was my favorite player. Yeah. Wayne Merrick Wayne was. Wayne Merrick, number 14. Wound uh, up going to the Islanders and winning some with cups. the New York Islanders. You yeah. know, it's amazing how many Blues players went on to win cups elsewhere. It's unbelievable. They used to be good luck, Chuck. You used to have to go through St. Louis to get your cup elsewhere. But Exactly. Yeah, just stop off, give your ring size, and we'll see you, we'll see you skating the cup next year. Yeah, as you're on your way out of St. Louis, we say congratulations exactly. because it's going to happen oh, for you. Uh, but, Clabe, since you're the guy to help with lists, maybe you can help Randy and I put together a list that we've been working on today. So uh, right. we're looking at the state of the Cardinals right now, and if you remove Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and Colton Wong from the conversation because we don't know about their future, and we're going to remove Paul Goldschmidt from this list because he's pretty consistent. Can you name three Cardinals that you feel very confident in heading into the 2021 season? Um, yeah. Flaherty, Carlson. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> we get stuck uh, with that number Carlson three. And Hicks. I'm going to say Flaherty, Carlson, and Hicks. Yeah, and, and uh, because Hicks Hicks would be well rested, and uh, I bet he's, you know, I think the key for him is he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. He can throw 105 miles an hour. I think once he develops another pitch or two, then he will be unhittable. Uh, I think Flaherty learned a lot this year uh, with the short season, and I think he'll be better because I think you know he's going to outwork everybody, and I just think Carlson. Once he gets everybody out of his head on how to do this and how to do that, I think he'll be the guy I saw in spring training that, that really had great comfort and ease, and he's got a this air of tenacity about him. And, and I didn't really know him that well. And, and Willie McGee said, hey, you need to hang out with this guy a couple of days, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And Willie's known him from day one. And the more I was around him, the more I said, yeah, you know what, you're right. Uh, he's got an air about him, not not overconfident, uh, but he's got an air that, you know what, you may get me out once, but I'm going to get mine before the day's over with. Claims you mentioned Hicks at the back end of the bullpen, and Gallegos will be back. I really want Alex Reyes to find his way into the rotation. Do you think that would be reasonable and responsible on the part of the ball club to start him in 2021? You know what, you, I think, Randy, everybody who goes into spring training who pitches needs to go in being ready to stretch out. I, I think that, you know, I was enamored with – Reyes' velocity, you know, when we saw him the first time, he was 95, 96. You know, he was blowing it at 99, 100 without even grunting, it seemed like. So the question is for him, you know, uh, is he going to have a changeup or a slider to go with him? And if he has three pitches and you have to respect the four-seamer and the two-seamer that he throws, I think you got to give him a shot in the rotation. Now, the question is, you know, as we saw him just unload the kitchen, you know, with that one or two innings of work, can he pace himself enough where he can give you six or seven? Mm-hmm. And really, I need seven. You know, this whole five and fly thing, I think, is killing baseball and it's killing bullpens. And if you're a reliever, by the time you really master your skill and you're a really good pitcher, uh, they've moved on to somebody else. Or you've been hurt or they burnt you out and you don't make good money. I mean, you think about how few relievers that we've seen come through St. Louis that have been around long enough to actually make real money before they were either coming up with Tommy John or, you know, they, they weren't uh, weren't around before arbitration. 
And when free agency rolled around, there were two other guys ready to take a spot. And, and I, I think that it really has hurt the game because those guys get burned out so quick. So I need a guy that can say, hey, give me, I'm going at least seven, and then you figure the other two out. Claves, I want to circle back to Jack Flaherty because another thing we were talking about on the show today is his contract situation. And he seems like a guy, as you mentioned, that's very confident in himself and that I think a lot of us could have forecasted would in different times might want to hit the open market and see what he could command. But I wonder if he, given the state of the world right now and the financial landscape of baseball, might be more amenable to making something work with the Cardinals because of those factors. I don't think so. Um I don't think there's a hometown discount to be found there. I, I think um, he's a guy that I'm not saying he's going to test the market, but you're going to make him a legitimate offer to buy him out of his arbitration years. You know, and I know the Cardinals have been successful with that in the past with some players and, and they can do it with him, but I don't think there's a hometown discount to be found. Um, you know, he's a guy, I think at this stage of his career, uh, his next contract will be, the one that he's going to be rooted in for hopefully the rest of his career. Uh, so I, I think that the one problem I think some of these players are going to have, and you touched on it, Michelle, the reality of the world as we live in. And just because, you know, it's been that way as far as what guys get paid, they think it's going to always be that way. And I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case for the next year or two. You know, I think one of the things that the players and the owners are going to have to come to grips with, they're going to have to look at the model of the NBA and the NHL and being partners. Uh, This adversarial relationship that we see, I don't think it's productive. Uh, And I think it really hurts. And you've got guys in union-wise that are old guard, and then they feel like they've already been shortchanged. And you've got owners that feel like the players have too much as it is. But, you know, that partnership with the NBA and the NHL seems to work uh, where there's a equal equal shares that are dealt with. And I know that the, the most feared words by baseball players, salary cap. But, you know, I don't know many guys in Major League Baseball making $40 million. I can show you a few guys in the NBA that are. And, and, claims- and, and Grant, the rosters are smaller, but, you know, the money is there. And I think that the partnership direction is something these both sides have to look at. During that 1994 strike, the owners offered a 50% revenue share with a salary cap and a salary floor. And man, for the last decade, MLB players haven't gotten close to 50% of the revenues. You're right. So if they get offered 50% now, if I'm the players, I jump all over that. I'm going to run with it and quarantine myself to make sure I don't (laughs) change my mind until I sign it, okay? Uh, I agree with you. And, and, you know, the thing is, they want their cake and eat it, too. You can't have, you know, 50-50 share and not have some sort of cost certainty involved. And you touched on something I think is real important. There's got to be a floor. You know, you have to spend a minimum amount of money, uh, you know, in order to maintain a certain level of competition. And, And, you know, when you look at the NBA, and I keep going back to it. And I'll even say the NHL, there are a few teams that when the season starts that you say, oh, well, they, they don't have a shot at the playoffs. I mean, when you look at the Western Conference of the NHL and also the NBA, they, they have, they're going to have eight teams that are going to qualify, and they have ten of them that are good enough to qualify. Mm-hmm. 
You look at baseball, and you already know that the Pirates have no chance. You already know that Seattle has no chance. You already know that some other teams that we look around have no chance before the season starts. And you don't see that as much when you have the salary cap where teams are forced to spend money. Now, how they spend it, that's up to them. And they don't always get it right. I think you've got to have some sort of cost certainty and some sort of real challenge for ownership to remain competitive. And I don't think you can get it done in the, in the direction of what baseball has shown us because there are already teams that say, ah, you know what, well, we're playing for 23. We're playing for 24. You know, And by the time they get players that are good, those guys are either hitting arbitration or on their trading block and they move on somewhere else. And the Pirates are the best example. You look at that kid, Josh Bell, who's a really good player. By the time they even remotely become competitive, he'll be in the arbitration and the Pirates will say, well, we can't afford this guy. Mm-hmm. And they move him. Klaibs, another big storyline this offseason, of course, is the future of Yadier Molina. And one of the teams that has been connected to him is the Yankees. And when you look at the factors com- comparing the Yankees to the Cardinals, which situation do you think if you're Yadier or Molina seems more desirable to you? Boy, that's a good question. Um, the Yankees won 100 games last year. Well, they would have, you know, they, they were very good. They won 100 games a year before. Um, they probably are in a better position to win with the talent pool that they have than the Cardinals. But, you know, there comes a point where you say, do you have enough money? Do you want to win? And if that's the case, then the Yankees are going to be very attractive. You know, I know some people think it's a, it's a big deal to retire with the only team you've ever played for. I don't know if it means that much because, let's face it, if Yachty comes, there's going to be a Yachty and Molina day, whether he's with a Cardinal or not, uh, considering what the contribution that he made. But I, I think you have to look at it. I, I mean, you know, they've kind of given up on Gary Sanchez. You know, Sanchez has been a real disappointment. And they like the other kid that they had catching this year. He did a really nice job. But, you know, if you have a chance for a guy like Yachty to handle a staff of players, of pitchers that they have, that that's going to certainly make them more competitive. The question is, you know what, being familiar with the American League is something that Yachty would have to try to adjust to on the fly. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Claves, before we let you go, we want to direct people to your website, ClavesOnline.com, and you have a great interview with Doc Emmerich up there. And we, we can have interviews with a lot of great broadcasters that are a lot of fun. But as Tony might say, Emmerich could be tied for first. Oh, no, you know what? He's got a half-game lead. <laughs> He's got a half-game lead. I mean, uh, and, and, Randy, you've been around him. He, one of the nicest gentlemen you'll mm-hmm. ever meet. Uh, I'm glad to hear he's going to be doing essays for NBC, and I think that's really where he hits home as far as I'm concerned. And he was a delightful person, and, and I've known him for a, a long time. And just to have a chance to chat with him was a treat. And hopefully, we'll have a we'll have some fun people this week. Uh, as I'm talking to you, my Mookie Betts connection was calling me, so I think I might be talking to him a little later today. Awesome. And uh, we've got a few other people that will be lining up. You know, we we don't have games to talk about. And, you know, there's only so many issues. So sometimes we want to reach out and try and reach and talk to people who we normally don't hear from in St. Louis. And, and uh, hopefully Mookie will be on that list this week.
Well, what makes you great, among many things, is that you make it about people. And that's what St. Louis wants. It's it's not necessarily about the games. It's about the people that are playing with, playing in and involved with the games. So I know that your interview with Mookie Betts will be great. He grew up in Nashville. He's a, a Cardinal country guy. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, I, I'll let you in on this. And I've, I've known for a while his mom and I went to school together. You know, St. Louis is on his list. Mm. of places to go because of the fact of the proximity and his mother, he and his mother and his family are close and it would have been cool. St. Louis, Atlanta and the Dodgers were teams that he was taking a hard look at because of the proximity of Atlanta to Nashville and St. Louis to Nashville. And obviously the Dodgers situation spoke for itself. Yeah. He's the, uh, as Charlie Steiner called him, the $350 million bargain. <laughs> you ain't lied about that. <laughs> Pretty good. Claves, always good to have you with us. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Looking forward to it. Michelle, I'm sorry we won't have a chance to tip one indoors, so we'll have to wait till things settle down before we have our, our, our uh, sit down. I know. We missed our window there, Claves. <laughs> I know. Well, we'll hopefully we'll, we'll get through this thing and every, if everybody stays safe, and uh, hopefully we'll do it soon. You All guys right. take care of yourselves. Always great to visit with you. All right, Michael. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Mike, right. Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. Hey, if you missed anything on today's show, including Mike or Kurt Warner, check out the podcast brought to you by I Promise. Just go to 101ESPN.com and check out the Character and Smallman podcast. Coming up, we've got You're Killing Me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, time for... Killing me, Small! Randy, do you remember last week during our Ask Uncle Randy segment, we had a listener write in who said, hey, my girlfriend has gained some quarantine weight. She will not put down the zebra cakes. Mm-hmm. She asks me if she looks bigger. I say, no, honey, you look beautiful, but am I doing her a disservice by not telling her the truth? You remember that? I remember that, yeah. She was quarantined thick. That's what the, the listener mm-hmm. said. Well... Illinois men's basketball coach Brad Underwood had a similar situation happen recently. He was on the Mind of Miles podcast, and he talked about a situation where someone in his family let him know that he might have gotten a little bigger. So my my daughter, who's a, who's a junior here at Illinois, she looks at me and she hands me a picture, or shows oh, me a picture on, after? On, on her no on her phone. And it was Olivia Decker was interviewing us. She was the, the BTN or sideline reporter of that game. And she goes, which one of your three chins do you think Olivia oh, likes oh, the best? Oh, oh. And, you know, that hurts. So we, I'm looking at the picture in question, and it's a weird angle. He's kind of turned to the side as she has the microphone up. But it was effective. He's lost 40-plus pounds, Coach Underwood has. He's looking great. He's feeling great. But what would you do, Randy, if one of your kids wanted you to lose some weight and that's what they did is they pulled up a photo of you and said, which one of your chins does Michelle like best? You would have to say to yourself, yeah, that really hurts. But then you have to start dropping pounds. There's no doubt about it because – those are the people that are going to be the most honest with you. And you can't get mad. It's just reality. You can't get mad at them. You just have to take your medicine and then go lose weight at Slim 180. There you go. That's certainly uh, an option that works for you, right, Randy? Yeah. I just thought that is super harsh for the daughter to do. But if your own inner circle pulls up the photo... And there's hard evidence of what they're saying. 
you have to at least take it into consideration. And at the end of the day, she's concerned about his future health. That's right. That's right. She wants her dad to be around. But congratulations to Coach Underwood for yeah. losing so much weight. Yeah, almost 50, right? Yeah, almost 50. Him. Looking great. You're killing me, Smalls. Also, Randy, I want to talk to you about this tweet. Imagine being a Padres fan and you're scroll- scrolling through Twitter. You're scroll- scrolling, scrolling, and you see, oh, my favorite team has pushed out a tweet with some news. Let's read it. So the Padres tweet this yesterday. The Padres have signed right-handed pitcher Mike Clevenger to a two-year contract through the 2022 season. Awesome oh, news. I'm excited. Awesome news. In the same tweet, Clevenger will also undergo Tommy John surgery on Tuesday <laughs> with a link to the story. <laughs> Not so great. Both of those facts in the same exact tweet. That is the epic just swing of emotions tweet. Oh, man, we got Clevenger for two more years, not just one. Oh, we're really only going to have him for one because he's undergoing Tommy John surgery. Can you imagine the, the, the excitement that you would have in reading that he's going to be with you for two more years? He signed an extension. Then you get to the next sentence and you just, uh, your heart breaks because you aren't going to have him for two more years. Yeah, imagine if in your mind you put yourself in a Cardinals fan shoes and that's Jack Flaherty. Yeah. And you're scrolling and you're like, oh, the car, what? They agreed to a deal with him? Oh, what? Mm-hmm. That'd be terrible. Creative tweet, though. That's good social media on the part of the Padres. But they do have two pieces of news about the same player. Right. So, yes, I, I understand the construction of the tweet. <laughs> but, yeah, that's a bittersweet tweet for Padres fans. You're killing me, Small. Okay, some other injury news, Randy. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, who we know is very important to the Rams' success. Unfortunately, he was carted off the field in the second quarter of their game versus the Seahawks very on Sunday. Very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. He has a grade three MCL and PCL tear. He's going to be out for six to eight weeks. The Rams are hopeful that he's going to return. But, Randy, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated and this week, and it says Father Timeless with a picture Ooh. of him talking about how he's been able to be be so durable during his 15-year career. That's the Sports Illustrated jinx at work still. Even though they got rid of all their writers, they still got the jinx going for them. They had been working on the story and then followed up to uh, talk to him about what had happened. But can you imagine Father Timeless, you're on the cover and then you're out six to eight weeks. And they don't really have much depth behind him because of their salary cap issues. I wonder if teams are going to overload that right side and try to take advantage of whoever the left tackle for the Rams is. I would imagine that that's the play for them. Get after Jared Goff. He's really good. When you go back to the post- Orlando Pace era here, whether it was Jason Smith, who they decided on the first day of minicamp could not play, or signing Jake Long, who was used up by the time they got him, or drafting Greg Robinson, who couldn't play. He did have a really intimate knowledge of uh, the Acapulco Black, by the way. <laughs> uh, he he could puff the magic dragon, but he just couldn't play here. When you look at the last group of left tackles the Rams had, especially with a $50 million guaranteed quarterback, it was just criminal. There was a method to their madness. Don't dismiss even though they're evil they're very intelligent and the fact that they didn't get a number one receiver or a left tackle for the last six or seven years they were here tells you a lot and poor sam bradford yeah he was the sacrificial lamb for that now he got paid 78 million for it but he was the sacrificial lamb in that scenario if you are sam bradford okay let's say you know what your future will hold you know what your future will hold you know what your future will hold Okay, Randy, you're you're there. You're him. Would you take the guaranteed cash, 78 mil, knowing that your career is going to not turn out the way you hope? You're going to have to deal with two really, really rough injuries. 
and you're never going to be the player that you hope to be. Not only just from a personal standpoint, but from a team space as far as team success. So this is on that draft night of 2009, yeah, right? Yeah, you have the number one overall pick. You get 10. the cash right before, by the way, they, they change the construct of the way that rookie quarterbacks get paid, too. Yeah, I'm going all Eli Manning on them. And I am saying I'm not playing for the St. Louis Rams because I know I'm good enough so that if I don't get the money right off the bat, I'm going to get the money if I go to a good team, if I go to a team that's willing to protect in me and invest in the people around me. So, yeah, I would I would say no. So would I. I'm going to say, you're not going to invest in protecting me? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> no way. So, yeah, Jimmy Clausen would be the St. Louis Rams quarterback, and he'd be the one that got killed. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome, Randy. That's Michelle, and that's your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. We're going to cross it over with Scoops with Danny Mac next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> with Danny Mac is coming up here on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin here in studio with us. How you doing? Doing great, guys. How are you? Good. Question of the day. Three Cardinals that are not Goldschmidt or anybody that's not on the roster like Yachty, Wonger, Wayno. So aside from those four, three Cardinals that you have confidence in heading into the 2021 season. Jack Flaherty, Paul DeYoung, Dylan Carlson. There you go. Michelle had Carlson. A lot of people like Dylan Carlson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what you saw at the end of the year, I think, is more of an indication that he's just going to get better and better and better. I really did think it was important. I I said this at the time, even though he really struggled that first time that he was up, I thought it was important that they brought him back one way or another, just not to have that bad taste in his mouth going into the offseason, you know, and thinking, well, can I compete? You know, just any of the doubts. Just get the Mm -hmm. doubts out of your mind. Go have a good offseason workout. Get ready. Um so you got to really like what you've seen out of him. I think that the curious thing about the young is trying to figure out, and I throw this one out the window because he dealt with COVID, but trying to have him finish up every season like he starts, you know, he, he got off to a great start this year, then tailed off at the end. And then my other one was Jack Flaherty. I, I throw that one out too, because I think they treated the beginning of the season almost as if it was spring training for him just to make sure that there was no injury and, mm-hmm just be overly cautious with him and and he seems to be just moving into into his own. It's interesting how the departure of Wong makes DeYoung more important because now you have to hit Edmund first. You probably hit Carlson second, Goldie third, and DeYoung has to hit fourth now, the way I, things are set up. Yeah, I, I like the idea of Gold... Well, if Goldschmidt is going to hit third, um, I want Carlson second, but I, I want Carlson to hit in front of Goldschmidt. This Me too. Year. I, wherever he's at, third or fourth, I want him to hit in front of him. I just want to see if pitchers and teams approach him differently because he's got that kind of protection behind him as opposed to putting Carlson behind Goldschmidt, which is the way it was going yeah. at the end. I know they want to get Goldschmidt up in the first inning. I would also look at the idea of batting him fourth, depending on what I do in this offseason. Um, you know, if you add some more thump to your lineup, which you're going to have to, maybe that, that person can bat fourth. Or maybe it's DeYoung or somebody else, but putting Carlson second, Goldschmidt third, somebody else fourth and fifth. I like that. Yeah. Jack Flaherty was on most people's lists. He's someone that a lot of Cardinals fans are confident in. Who are the other names? I'm curious. Um, Well, Randy had Fowler. Bader. Bader. And KK. And KK. That's who you're confident in? Yeah. Okay. I had Flaherty. 
I had Carlson, and I also chose Bader, but from a defensive standpoint. I know that I can look to him confidently for elite defense. Oh, sure. I, I think that would be something that doesn't go away for him. The key is going to be for him to stay in the lineup every day. He's going to have to hit better against right-handed pitching, depending on what they do. So let's just say, for argument's sake, they go out and get Jock Peterson. You could platoon him if you wanted. You know, I mean, that's that's something you look at. Um, but he's got to improve against right-handed pitching. I love him against left-handed pitching. Even, I mean, even if he has an off night or you know goes over four or whatever, that's going to happen. But generally speaking, even in the minor leagues, he has hit left-handed pitching well. Who would you pick a, a guy that, okay, if, if they're both healthy, who is going to play 140 games for you? Who are you going to have first between O'Neill and Bader? That would be dependent on what I get this offseason. It's kind of like but the Matt. I'm, I'm presuming, let's say Peterson is there as a platoon guy for one of those guys. So Then Bader sits, in my mind. Okay. Yeah, I I think this you got to find. I, I agree. I think you got to find out what Tyler O'Neill does. Five hundred at bats. Um, you, you're going to have your strikeouts. You're going to have your your rough goes. But it's time to find. I mean, we've been saying this now, but really, you got to find out. Like, what do you have in him? Remember Chris Carter with the Brewers? Yeah. You think that's what he is? No, I, I think he can be better than that. I hope so. Um, I, I, you know, to me, when I watched him this year, I thought he would, had made some strides, especially in spring training. With his own recognition, I thought he was better in the beginning of the season, then got into a rut. And then it's just tough to get into, a, I think, a, a rhythm of playing time to find out what you got. I, I am still on the Lane Thomas uh, fan club. I, I Even though what I, he was not a major league player at the end of this season. And I wonder if that was COVID-related. Mm-hmm. Well, Mo said uh, that he was dealing with dizziness. I believe, but he he never was right. And you think that Austin Dean would be that guy, Dizzy Dean. So he never came back, and you know, talking about Lane Thomas, he he never came back. I guess he never felt right. And I I'd seen him before play even two spring trainings ago defensively, and I was like, that's that's a good player. Mm-hmm. And then he had those short little spurts at the major league level, and you'd say, that's a pretty good player. And then for whatever reason this year, man, he just never looked right. No, and I I wonder if that was just. COVID-related, and Mo did indicate, I think you were on the Zoom, where he said that was one of the players. He said, I'm not going to get into specifics about players and how they came back or didn't come back, but he said the one guy I'm going to talk about is Lane Thomas. We were talking to our medical team, and he wasn't right at the end, and and he wasn't. I mean, there was a ball, I, I think it was in Cincinnati, and he was in right field, and he dropped yeah, it. Yeah, it was bad. And I was like, that that is just odd. I mean, it was not routine, but it was a, for a major leaguer. He's got to make that play. And he, he you could tell he was off balance yeah. a little bit. And then there was another ball that went out to him, and he made the catch but didn't look comfortable with it. And I thought, something's, something's going on. And then he was completely overmatched at the plate. So, And then he was gone within a couple of days after that, too. I, I think they just realized he's just not there. Yeah. You know, wasn't going to help him or the, or the team. How about the fact that Dan McLaughlin just summarily dismisses my dad jokes so quickly? I know. Well, because you tell you, you ask me the question, or we get into discussion, and I'm focused on Lane Thomas, and then you go Dizzy Dean, and I start thinking Dizzy Dean, and then Austin Dean, and I lose my focus on Lane Thomas. So then I have to close my eyes like this. Focus, so, Dan. Focus. Yeah, I gotta. Fo- <laughs> Randy, I'm not really bright. That's why I'm in this industry. So if you stay focused, you can at least keep one thing on. The mind. See, I thought, Dan, you've known Randy for so long that you're just immune to the dad jokes at this point. I kind of felt, felt like that's where he was headed there. Well, now I just kind of ignore him. <laughs> Although there's some of them that do 
tickle my fancy. And so I, I'll play along, but not that one. This is not Dizzy Dean. I wonder if, speaking of Dizzy Austin Dean, I wonder if he would get a run. I think he deserves an opportunity. I think Justin Williams is going to get a run. They're, they're going to try to find guys that if you look Sabre, I, one of the things I'm going to do this offseason is go back to the the analytics and say, who, even despite the strikeouts, who has got exit velocity yep. and who's hitting the ball hard? Absolutely. Because that's who they're going to play. And Justin That's Williams, why I said Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. That, yeah, absolutely. They love that. Right. Williams is a guy that came up with Tampa, so he's out of options. So this is his opportunity now, too. He needs to either make it or it's not going to happen. Right. And, uh, you know, in spring training, defensively, there are times you go, man, the, the, he's not quite there mm-hmm. in terms of just some of the decision-making of where he was throwing the ball and missing cuts and things of that nature and allowing runners to take an extra base. But I, I just think when you looked at the Wong situation, and again, it gives you payroll flexibility, which is, I understand that. That's that's the business side of it. But I think they're saying, you know what, not that we're going to completely get rid of defense on our minds, but we're going to try to find guys that hit the ball hard one yeah. way or another. And, and if we have guys that strike out a bunch... So be it, because that's where the game is right now. It I, doesn't mean I like it because it's a lot of strikeouts, a lot of walks, can be kind of boring and slow, but hey, that's that's where the game is right now. You guys agree? I agree with you 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's hit the ball hard and out of the park or don't hit it at all. Yeah. That's what it's it is. the three outcomes. Right. What do we got coming up on scoops? Dave Matter coming up. We'll talk about uh, Mizzou football. Obviously, uh, Mizzou back in action against uh, South Carolina this weekend. Fingers crossed. And also Mizzou basketball, which is not that far away. We are November 17th. So we are, what, eight days away from the start of the college basketball season. And again, fingers crossed on that. I don't know if you saw Rick Pitino saying that our idea yeah, of pushing the back. season back. May Madness. It, it makes sense. It, it, I, I just, I don't know how these teams are going to get through. If football teams are struggling to get through this, and you've got a, a roster of 15 college kids, I, I'm not sure how you get through this. And the timing now with the potential for vaccines, yes, it seems like it makes sense to make that move. As so much we'll, as I want to see college basketball, too, believe me, I yeah. gosh, I want to see it. I want to do games. Slew's going to be really good. Right. So, Absolutely. We'll see. We're looking forward to hearing from Dave Matter. Thank you, Scotty Manziara, producer-engineer. You got it, Randy. And uh, Michelle, this was great. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. See you tomorrow. Always good to hear from Kurt Warner. We enjoyed hearing from him on the show, and we enjoy you tuning in, texting in, being a part of it for all of us. Till tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack, and with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com. Or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower. Longer. Lecvio. This episode is brought to you by Zell. 
Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.